to your Catholic drive time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. Good morning to you. Of course, we all heard the news from yesterday. Well, today on this first hour of Catholic Drive Time, we're going to be covering the fallout in D.C. It is done. President-elect Joe Biden will be has been confirmed and will become the next president of the United States. And just under two weeks from now, he will be sworn in on the very spot where the chaos erupted yesterday. We're going to be talking about all of that today on the program, keeping in mind uh, that those who... Uh, lost their lives. In fact, there was one young woman confirmed for sure. There could be as much as three others. We'll be discussing those stories today as well. So a lot to cover today. We'll have uh, Stephen Harried on the program in our guest segment to give us the commentary. He's a Catholic uh, political commentator. He'll uh, we'll, we'll be discussing all of the story coming out of Washington, D.C. Sad day. It's a sad day for the chaos. It's a sad day for the loss of life. It's a sad day to be sure. Um, but we'll be discussing all of these stories and more on the first hour. Good morning, Emily Alcarez. Good morning, Joe. Not the best news to report on today, but you know, God is still good. God is king. He sits on his throne, and heaven is our goal, not this earth. Amen. Uh, in in any way. But uh, still very tragic, I would say. Mm-hmm. Very tragic. Yeah, very disappointing news. Very disappointing news mm-hmm. coming out of D.C. this morning. Um Adrian Fonseca, I know uh, you caught the news this morning, or did you see it at all last night? No, I was at mass on last night, so I'm gonna. I'm trying to find an excuse today to talk about the epiphany. We forgot <laughs> to talk about it yesterday, so uh, we, we, we there won. you go. We could use something uplifting. <laughs> <laughs> well, praise be to Jesus. Yeah, I forgot to talk about the. Epiphany. I think I mentioned it yesterday. In my defense, I believe I mentioned epiphany ever so briefly as I. In your defense, you on. did go to epiphany mass the day before. Uh, yes, so. yeah, praise God. Well. <laughs> All right, uh, so lots to discuss today on the program, plus Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day. We'll have the What's Concerning Us section. We'll be talking more about the story coming out of Washington, D.C. as well. And don't forget, Stephen Harriet will be our guest in the, in the uh, guest segment. And if, if you're at all able to join us in the next hour, we would love to have you. We'll have the game show. We'll have more breaking news and stories. But uh, also, we'll have a little bit lighter conversation with the Glad Trad podcast. Uh, we've all seen the reports. There's a big trend moving traditional among young people. Why is that? Uh, what's what's so attractive about the tradition of the faith to the young? We've, we've invited Jordan Pacheco and Rodolfo Carlos on from the Glad Trad podcast to maybe help us better understand that trend and what that really means. All that is in the next hour, if you are able to join us. But let's, let's pray over this hour and let's get started. Whatever your intentions are, certainly we're praying for peace in our country, uh, peace in the transition, peace uh, among all those that were injured or hurt, and those especially praying for the repose of the souls uh, that were lost in the chaos and melee yesterday. Peace for our country and our future, um, and uh, and all that is involved. I'm praying for your intentions, dear listener, my family, and our team here, and our equipment. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known, that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession, was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. 
O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now the headlines with Emily Alcarez. Violence broke out in the nation's capital yesterday, shortly after President Donald Trump addressed a large crowd gathered there to protest the election results. The protesters broke into the U.S. Capitol and the building had to be evacuated. One woman, an Air Force veteran from California, was shot and killed by police on the Capitol grounds. As of yesterday, 52 people have been arrested. The president posted a video yesterday calling for peace and for protesters to go home. Twitter deleted the president's post and locked him out of his account, threatening to permanently suspend him. The U.S. bishops also spoke out against the violence, and the USCCB posted a tweet which simply said, Lord God of peace, hear our prayer. Vice President Mike Pence confirmed Joe Biden's November victory early this morning. After violence broke out in the Capitol, Congress reconvened on Wednesday evening to finish counting the Electoral College votes. President, Vice President Mike Pence announced the tally, 306 votes for Biden and 232 for Trump. In a statement released on Twitter by the White House, President Donald Trump said, quote, Even though I totally disagree with the outcome of the election and the facts bear me out, nevertheless, there will be an orderly transition on January 20th. The FBI is investigating a threat to fly a plane into the U.S. Capitol building. CBS reported that the threat to avenge the death of Iranian military leader Qasem Soleimani was broadcasted on air traffic control frequencies on Monday. The threat comes just a year after Soleimani was killed by a U.S. drone strike approved by President Donald Trump. Iranian leaders have in recent days said that Trump himself would be dead within a few days. Pilots, pilots were told to be alert for any aircraft deviating from their standard flight patterns this week. Babies with Down syndrome are being aborted at increasingly alarming rates in Europe. A study published in December of 2020 in the European Journal of Human Genetics found that selective abortions have reduced the number of births of babies with Down syndrome in Europe by more than 50% in the past four years. Right to Life UK has estimated that 9 out of 10 women in the UK who receive a diagnosis of Down syndrome abort their child. In Poland, the Constitutional Tribunal struck down a provision earlier this year allowing doctors to abort fetuses on the basis of con congenital defects. In its decision, the Polish court argued that aborting a child because of probable birth defects constituted eugenics or an effort to rid society of the weak and undesirable. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Thursday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. St. Lucian of Antioch, pray for us. He was born in the mid-3rd century in Syria. Now, um, his parents were wealthy, well-to-do, and he gave away all of his possessions when they passed away because he wanted to study rhetoric, philosophy, scripture, and uh, and he did so. He even, in fact, lived as a hermit briefly in his youth. He would be ordained in Antioch and eventually become the uh, spiritual director of St. Pelagia of Antioch. He also became the head of a school of theology, and he had one very famous student, Arius. 
Arius, the founder of Arianism, was one of his students. In fact, uh, Lucian became the friend of many heretics. <laughs> and he himself would be excommunicated for a time, but he did find his way back into full communion with the church. Praise be to Jesus Christ. And he was noted as a scripture scholar. In fact, he, he had a, a certain exactness in the copy. Uh, so the copyist who would make these, uh, you know, we didn't have photocopies in those days. We didn't have printing presses. So people had to meticulously copy from one uh, scroll to the next, and then he would make sure that those copyists were doing so as meticulously as possible, in fact, correcting many of their errors as best he could. His own edition of the complete Bible, known as the Lucian Recension, was used by many churches and saints. Even St. Jerome himself uh, consulted this work in his own uh, copy of the Latin Vulgate, which is, uh, you know, the, the basis of the Dewey Rams. And, and the text that we read at the Latin Mass, etc. Well, he was uh, Lucian was arrested under uh, in Nicomedia under the persecution of Diocletian. This was a terrible persecution that uh, tortured so many uh, Christians. In fact, he was he spent nine years in prison. Eventually, he was dragged before the emperor as an example, and he uh, struggled to his feet. And he gave a great defense of the faith. Uh, to the emperor himself. Could you imagine? It's your one shot. You might as well go for it. You've got nothing to lose. Well, that was Lucian of Antioch. He was thrown back into prison. He was given no food or water for 14 days. Again, he was uh, pulled out, uh, brought in front of a tribunal, and interrogated. But the answer to every single question, no matter what they asked him, was, I am a Christian. He was eventually tortured, starved, and then run through with a sword in 312 in Nicomedia, dying a martyr's death. St. Lucian of Antioch, pray for us. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 4, verses 14 through 22. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news of him spread throughout the whole region. He taught in their synagogues and was praised by all. He came to Nazareth, where he had grown up, and went, according to his custom, into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. He stood up to read and was handed a scroll of the prophet Isaiah. He unrolled the scroll and found the passage where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring glad tidings to, to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, and to proclaim a year acceptable to the Lord. Rolling up the scroll, he handed it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue looked intently at him. He said to them, Today, this scripture passage is fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke highly of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. The Gospel of the Lord. This passage that he quotes uh, here in Luke's Gospel is comes from Isaiah 61, and there's a little piece of Isaiah 58 in there as well. But uh, there's a couple of points here that I think are fascinating. One, you, we've heard, we've all heard this on on the internet's right it, your favorite social media platform there 
maybe once a year, every couple of years, there's always somebody who puts a post and it goes viral that uh, Jesus was not religious, that, uh, you know, to be a Christian, it has nothing to do with religion. We've all heard that argument. And yet, uh, when we read the scriptures, when we read uh, the gospels in particular, it becomes very clear that uh, nothing further from the truth could be true, in fact. I mean, look at Jesus. He, according to his custom, that sentence should say something to us, that it was his custom to every single Sabbath day go to the synagogue. And on at least three occasions per year, he would go to Jerusalem for the feasts that were required for every Jewish man to go to. He would go at every Passover. They ritually sacrificed a lamb. Uh, his own parents gave the two turtle doves in the temple when he was uh, brought there as an infant at 40 days. So we see that over and over and over again, in fact, Jesus adhered to the religion of his people with uh, every intent, and we see this here as well. But the other thing that really stands out to me about this particular passage is uh, one, uh, two things. One is this proclaiming freedom to the captives. In Jesus's time, as we well know of, of, uh, of Judas being a zealot, being among the zealots, we want Jesus to come like a king, a conquering king, to kick out the Romans and kick out Herod and his like and, and restore the, uh, the rightful lineage of the, uh, the Aaronite priests and, and to bring back the proper worship of God. Like that was what they wanted. They wanted it by force. But as we all know, by force is not the answer, right? Jesus didn't come to take it by force. He could have snapped his fingers. He could have thought about it and it would have happened. No, instead he went to the cross and suffered and died miserably for sinners like you and me. He could have brought down the legion of angels, but he chose not to. And, and I love this line. He says, today, this scripture passage is fulfilled in your hearing. Could you imagine just sitting there in that synagogue, looking the, Jesus in the eyes, and he is telling you, I, I am the one this passage is speaking of, and I have come to bring you the kingdom of God. I mean, if your heart doesn't skip a beat, I don't know what your heart is doing on a regular basis. It's a powerful passage. Adrian, what have you? Yeah, I thought the, the thing I wanted to focus on was on the passage at the very, very end, the very last sentence. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? Uh, so Alapide expands on this and talks about how it's very interesting how everybody loves Jesus until we start saying things that they don't like. Uh, once he starts saying things he doesn't like, they're like, oh, well, <laughs> isn't this Joseph's son? Um, they, they kind of have this dismissive attitude. And the same thing happens to all the prophets and even the modern saints and prophets. They're like, oh, yeah, 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 I agree with that person. But as soon as they say something, as soon as they convict them in a way that it isn't um, according to their liking, immediately the attitude changes. And it's like, oh, who does this guy think he is? So I think that's what I wanted to focus on. Yeah, tough times, but I think this passage is for our times. Let's pray and meditate and chew on it, but don't go anywhere. On the other side of this break, we're going to have a What's Concerning Us section. We're going to dive into the stories coming out of Washington, D.C. Of course, Stephen Harry will be on the program, and our guest segment is a Catholic and political commentator. We'll dive in more coming up next on Catholic Drive Time. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. If there's one thing atheists and theists can agree on, it's the fact that we've all felt the problem of God's hiddenness and have cried out, where are you, God? The difference, however, is atheists think this is a reason to reject God and theists don't. Why? 
Well, first, God is not entirely hidden. Sure, we can't know He exists by seeing or touching Him, but we can know He exists through logic and reason. There's also good reason to believe God has revealed Himself through Jesus of Nazareth. If Jesus is raised from the dead, then everything He said is true. Second, God's in-your-face presence wouldn't necessarily make things better. Even on the natural level, we don't like overbearing parents. Why would we want God to be that way? So while God's partial hiddenness is a mystery, it's not a good reason to embrace atheism. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, catholic.com. What are my resolutions for 2021? Let's see, exercising more, going to daily mass, read and study the Summa, eat healthier? Wait, do you mean the Summa Theologia? I sure do. Do you want to join me for a new Summa class I'm teaching? Really? That'd be so cool. On the radio. You want me to learn about the Summa for the first time on the radio with millions of potential listeners? Yes. What could possibly go wrong? Join CISO in learning from the great doctor of the church, St. Thomas Aquinas, beginning Friday, January 8th at 2 p.m. Central on our new show, Back to the Father, here on the GRN. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Last night, when I was watching the video, live video coming out of Washington, D.C., my heart sunk. It was, on one hand, it was inspirational to see so many thousands come and, and peaceful, peacefully stand there. And that was the key, peaceful. And then chaos erupted. And you don't know what's right. You don't know what's wrong. You don't know who's involved. You have no idea. You're just watching the chaos and my heart sunk because I knew that that was, that was it. That's wrong. You don't storm the U.S. Capitol. You just don't. What makes us different? What makes people different, law-abiding citizens, Republican or Democrat, conservative or liberal? What makes us different than the mob is we're peaceful. We're peaceful. We resolve our differences not through violence. I'll, I, I was thinking March 5th, 1770, 251 years ago, and a couple of months, we saw chaos in the streets of Boston. Do you know what started that? It started by a, a, a British soldier looking for work on the docks of Boston Harbor. Why? Because he had a wife and kids to feed. And he didn't make enough money as a soldier. And he got into a fight with Crispus Attucks and the other guys. They're making the ropes for the ships. And that spread out over a couple of days. And there on March 5th, it really broke out. And people died. Sam Adams took the story and ran. He had a, a story printed, and he and Paul Revere had it printed all over the colonies. Re, 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 reprinted the same story over and over and over again. Go and read it. Google the original story of Paul Revere Sam Adams' account of the Boston Massacre. And you'll see it's a one-sided, very manipulative version of the events. You know, depicting uh, the captain, uh, Captain Preston, standing behind his men, ordering the, the gunfire. And there's like a pieta type of uh, uh, scenario going on there in the, in the scene. 
It's very manipulated uh, account of the events. You know what the first person who died in the actual Boston Massacre? It was Crispus Attucks, standing right in front of the soldier as they taunted them. The one guy standing his post, they taunted him. And, uh, and they threw uh, snowballs and oyster shells and, and they batted at, their, at their, uh, their muskets. And the chaos and the intensity erupted and people died. And then the spinning and manipulation took off after that. Well, we're seeing it all again. This woman from San Diego, 14-year veteran of our U.S. Armed Services, shot and died. Why was she there? I don't know. Should she have been in the building? I don't think so. She served her country. She had her future ahead of her. She didn't have a gun in her hand. And in the melee of the chaos, the intensity of the situation, she died. It's a tragedy. And it was wrong. Peaceful Americans in the thousands, tens of thousands of peaceful Americans came to make their voice heard. You don't like that? You don't agree with them? Fine. You don't have to. Nobody's saying you have to. But they had the right to stand and peacefully let their voice be heard. The minute you break down barriers, the minute you crash windows, the minute you storm the Capitol, that's where it all goes wrong. People did not need to die. They just didn't. Emily, what was your reaction when you... I mean, you went to Mass last night, right? Right. I was at Mass. Mm-hmm. What was it like to, to read this when you came out of Mass? So disappointing, especially after yesterday hearing all the reports that this was going to be a peaceful protest, a positive protest. It's just completely hi- hypocritical of conservatives to denounce violent riots for months that we've had this past year and then to go and really just senselessly uh, enact violence themselves. It was sent what the the protesters, the rioters who broke into the Capitol building were really just acting silly. They were taking photos. There's a man wearing a, like a costume. It's insane. It was completely senseless, and there was no reason behind it. Um, so just extreme disappointment um, in the conservative movement. And, yeah, I'm sad. There, You know, there's a, a half of America, let's just say. Let's just make it even. Even Stephen. 50%. 50% of America says there was zero shenanigans in the election. It was the cleanest, most safest election ever, is what we were told. Let's say that that's true, just for one second. I don't believe it, but let's just say that that's true. Okay, great. Americans, the other 50%, uh, don't believe that. They have a right to let their voice be heard. I think we should all agree to that. They do. They have a right. But do they have a right to sit at Nancy Pelosi's desk and take selfies? No. No, I don't believe they do. I don't believe they have that right. But it's the people's house. Yes, it is. And therefore, we should respect that house. We should respect it and not put our feet up on someone else's desk like it's ours, like it's our personal thing, our toy, our plaything. You know, that's not right, in my opinion. We should not be doing that. We shouldn't act that way. We should not uh, bring ourselves down to the mob level. And I, I was watching one reporter standing there uh, filming these guys tr- beating on the uh, police. They were trying to gain access in the backside of the, uh, the U.S. Capitol there. And they were beating with batons on the police uh, shields. And the police started, you know, 
shooting them with these little pepper balls. And then all of a sudden, up above them was a line of police officers shooting tear gas. And that, and that crowd began to disperse fast. Now, I've been in the gas chamber personally three times. I've had to take my mask off in the midst of, of, uh, of the same uh, tear gas and do jumping jacks and push-ups. And I know exactly what happens. Your eyes begin to swell and shut, and every sinus you have begins to flow like the Niagara Falls immediately, and you're choking, and you can't breathe. And the police were raining down tear gas upon these people because they were clearing the building and pushing these people back. Now, what astounded me by watching the scene was there was only a handful. I don't know how many. You put a number to it. 20? What? I don't know. I have no idea how many people that were doing it. 100? Whatever. There was just a handful watching the video of people attacking the police and trying to get through that little archway there. And there were some people crawling through windows and such. They shouldn't have done that. None of that. But the rest of this massive crowd was just watching, gawking, like looking at a traffic accident on the side of the road. Not one person did anything to stop any of that, accident, that, uh, of that action. Not one. Um, peaceful, peacefully making our voice heard was the order of the day that got totally, totally sabotaged by whoever these people were. And who were they? I haven't the slightest clue. doesn't matter, in my opinion, because it really messed everything up, and it was a tragedy. And this young, uh, vibrant woman uh, should not have died. Ashley, from San Diego, California. Big Trump fan, by the way. She had a right to be a Trump fan. She had a right to have an opinion. She had a right. She served her country. She's an American citizen. She had a right to make her voice heard, but she, she should not have died. I don't know why she felt she needed to be in that building. I have no idea. And her husband's probably asking the same thing right now, but she should not have lost her life. It's a tragedy. Either way, we have to look forward. A- Adrian, what was it like for you to... Uh, come across this information after getting out of mass well i actually didn't see it until this morning i uh got home from mass at like nine o'clock and went straight to bed yeah we it's a very um it's very looking at looking at it from the from the eyes of the epiphany uh, father was talking about during the homily yesterday about how we have to have the the faith of the magi um, these magi, like we, we think about the faith that all the other people in scripture had, um, for like people looking at our Lord doing miracles. We see Thomas, uh, doubting Thomas put his hands in the side. Uh, but the magi, the three wise men who came, they, they just, they dropped everything, went to this middle of nowhere, went to a cave and then saw this little baby, um, and two people that, that nobody knew who they were and bowed down and worshiped and brought them amazing gifts and knew that that was God. Um, it's that kind of faith that we need right now. It's that kind of faith that is necessary in times of, of turmoil. Um, so I think that that's, it's something that we, we need to focus on, on God at this point. I think a lot of times we are trying to put our faith in things that are, are fall, that fall away, things that fall away, like politics, uh, government officials, things like that. These, all these things fall away over time and we need to keep our eyes focused on God, um, and our and his son, of, of course, the our Lord Jesus Christ. Right, and Christ is the King. He is the Prince of Peace. And uh, there is a time for war, but now is not that time. And this is not the the right reason or method. So, you know, I got a little freaked out yesterday when 
people were posting pictures. So there's the gentleman with the the uh, the Viking horns and his coonskin hat, you know, shirtless tattoos, carrying the spear with the American flag on it, um, you know, really out of place. Apparently, he's got some connection to QAnon. I I don't know. Um, so there's the picture of him standing there in the hall, and to his side, to his right side. Uh, is a picture of a gentleman with uh, communist tattoos and you know long hair, beard, and all this. Facebook people are posting these pictures all over Facebook of these of these two in particular guys. The guy on the right uh, with the beard and all, he apparently had some connection to Antifa. I have no idea, but I do know this: Facebook thought I was that guy. <laughs> and every time someone was posting a picture who was a friend of mine, Facebook wanted me to be tagged in the picture because they thought I was him. What? I So I was getting all of these requests for tagging on every one of these pictures. And I'm like, I am not this guy. I was not in D.C. I am not this person. I'm definitely not storming the Capitol. And I ain't no Antifa thug. You, you forget it. I ain't happening. I'm not, I don't, communist is evil. I'm not going that route. So I had to tell Facebook, please, I'm not this person. I had to do it a bunch of times because every time someone posted it uh, that was a friend of mine on Facebook, they, they're like, hey, you, you should be tagged in this. No, 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 I shouldn't. It was a little, it was a little crazy. <sighs> now, the reality is Joe Biden's going to be sworn in as president in less than two weeks. And we'll have to face that. And there's now a supermajority in both houses of Congress. And we're going to have to face that. And so when the law says, or the laws, the rules, the regulations, the policies of, of the government are, let's say, for abortion or for transgenderism or for, you know, not in, or not defending the traditional marriage between a man and a woman or in vitro fertilization or any one of the other, uh, you know, grave sins that cry out to God for justice that we as Catholics cannot in any way ever shape or form support or believe in, uh, we have now have a great opportunity no matter who is president, no matter what the laws of the land are, no matter what policies are, like Lucian did, we have a great opportunity to stand up and to give witness, to preach the good, the true and the beautiful. Why? Because it's we're right and they're wrong? No, no. Because God desires the salvation of souls. And he has put us on planet Earth to preach the good, the true and the beautiful and to find our way to heaven, to be with him for all eternity. What an opportunity God has entrusted you and me with. Will we have the courage of St. Lucian to proclaim this truth, even if it gets hard, or torture, or worse? Let's pray for that courage. We'll be right back. More breaking news and stories in Catholic Drive Time coming up next. Don't go anywhere. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Psalm 1, verse 1 says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. What does that mean? Don't hang around with bad people? No, according to G.K. Chesterton, it means something much better than that. He says that there are certain people who, because they are really pure, create a good atmosphere around themselves. They are truly children of light, and the light shines on everything they touch. When a righteous person stakes out a clear position, we recognize that it's something solid and vital and eternal. So it's not that hanging around bad people makes us bad, it's that being righteous can help make the people hanging around us righteous too. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org 
We have got some good news. The new version of the Guadalupe Radio Network app is out now. The new version offers big improvements with even more on the way. You'll be able to find and listen to your station no matter where you are and switch between our English and Spanish stations with ease. Missed your favorite GRN show? You can find all past episodes as podcasts on the app. To download or update the app, search your app store for the Guadalupe Radio Network. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Give God some praise today. Jesus, I trust in you. No matter what, I trust in you. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It's so good to be on with you this morning. Here in just about uh, five, six minutes or so, we'll be speaking with Stephen Harried, a Catholic and political commentator, about the stories out of D.C. and what lies ahead for our future. Well, that's coming up, but we have more breaking news. Uh, first, by the way, if you're looking for uh, individual guest segments, so you want you don't want to watch the whole two hours, you want to or an hour, you want to watch an hour apiece or individual segments or whatever. By the way, we have several ways for you can connect to our content. One is just by going to grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Another way to do it is go to our YouTube channel. We have uh, we put the live video out on the GRN side at uh, youtube.com forward slash GRN online. But now we're posting individual guest segments and highlights over on the Catholic Drive Time channel on YouTube. Uh, Adrian, what's, how do people get to that? If you just look up a Catholic Drive Time channel on YouTube, you should find it fairly easily. Uh, you might either find, if you look up Catholic Drive Time on YouTube, the only the top two things is GRN online, which is also us, and uh, Catholic Drive Time. So both of those are where we are posting content. All right. Praise be to God. Right now we have more breaking news and stories with Emily Alcarez. Tell them what they could oh. win, Emily. No charges are being filed against the officer who shot Jacob Blake. The Blake shooting happened three months after George Floyd, Floyd died and led to violent riots in Kenosha, Wisconsin, after many news outlets falsely claimed that Blake was unarmed. The Washington Post had to issue a correction after inaccurately reporting that Blake was unarmed when he was shot. Police reports clearly state that Blake was armed with a knife. Kyle Rittenhouse, the teenager who was arrested at the Kenosha riots after fatally shooting two people, pleaded not guilty to all charges at a hearing on Tuesday. After riots in the nation's capital, Senator Kelly Loeffler and other GOP lawmakers are dropping their plans to object to election results. Loeffler, speaking from the Senate floor, said the unrest and acts of violence that occurred earlier in the day had forced her to reconsider challenging the electoral votes in several disputed states. At least 14 Republicans went on the record ahead of Wednesday saying that <laughs> they would contest the electoral college results in Congress, but a number of them reversed course along with Loeffler. The House has also voted against objecting in Arizona's electoral college. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention reported on Wednesday that at least 52 cases of the new COVID-19 strain have been found in the U.S. Although the new variant appears to be more contagious than the original coronavirus, there's no evidence that it's more deadly. The CDC also reported that 21 people experienced severe allergic reactions to the Pfizer vaccine, a rate much higher than adverse reactions to the flu vaccine. At least... <coughs> One person, a woman in Portugal, died unexpectedly after getting the Pfizer vaccine. The woman, a healthcare worker, had no pre-existing conditions. As he celebrated Mass on the Solemnity of the Epiphany of the Lord on Wednesday, 
Pope Francis urged Catholics to devote more time to worshiping God. Preaching in St. Peter's Basilica on January 6th, the Pope said, quote, In our day, it is particularly necessary for us, both as individuals and as communities, to devote more time to worship. We need to learn ever better how to contemplate the Lord. We have somewhat lost the meaning of the prayer of adoration, so we must take it up again, both in our communities and in our own spiritual life. At the Mass, the cantor proclaimed that Easter Sunday will fall on April 4th this year and Lent will begin on February 17th. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Thursday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Thanks, Adrian. You're the best, dude. Uh, you know, that sound, you're just, it's hard to read the news, uh, very serious stories, and then get, uh, get the old sounder uh, thrown in there, and then all of a sudden she gets thrown way off. Sorry about that, Emily. Yeah, I, I ruin everything. Yeah, I, that must have been you, super you should, hard. You should probably get a real producer. How like, do you, get, uh, get a, <laughs> I mean, I feel bad for you, because those were serious <laughs> stories, and and uh, Adrian totally scuttled your yeah. whole effort you sh- there. You should fire the, your producer and get a new one. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> wow. Well, uh, there you go. I'm, it's called live radio. Uh, welcome to that. But anyway, uh, praise be to Jesus Christ. We're going to be joined right now by uh, Zoom chat, uh, uh, Stephen Harried. He is a Catholic uh, and political commentator. And of course, the big story is out of D.C. So we're uh, happy to have him on the program to give us some perspective. Good morning, Stephen. Good morning, Joe. How the heck are you? Praise God, I'm alive. How are you? I, uh, as far as I know, I am too, but my wife isn't out of bed yet, so I'm not sure. I'll have to ask her. <laughs> it, is, it is early, but uh, God's grace in all things, and, uh, and the early bird gets the worm, as they say. So, um, now, yesterday, we were talking about this in the last segment with uh, the What's Concerning Us. It was, it was kind of heart-wrenching to watch the, uh, the situation unfold yesterday. What was it like for you uh, watching the, this peaceful rally, you know, devolve into chaos? Well, so what I was looking at was the reactions to it from outside. So I didn't even see the events. Really? Um, I wasn't there. I missed it. In fact, I felt terrible that I wasn't at the Stop a Steel rally. I felt so guilty about it that I sent uh, my stimulus check uh, to the stop the steal people and just said, here, I want to send my stimulus check back to the Capitol in style. <laughs> wow. I thought of it as paying, paying someone else's way to the rally. I'm with them in spirit and I believe in what they're doing. I felt terrible for not being there. But uh, while what happened yesterday was going on, what I was looking at is commentators, leaders on the right, many of them Christians, uh, immediately with uh, and reflexively with no information, uh, reacting, I think, very uncharitably. Mm. What happened, one thing that happened, that we do know happened, uh, was, a, was a military veteran, uh, a young woman, was shot dead. Um, that was by, uh, I believe, a congressional security guard. Um, maybe he was antsy, whatever the reasons were. But the other thing is that this was hundreds of thousands of people, if I'm not mistaken, at this event. And then the people who, so, you know, quote unquote, stormed the Capitol were probably a smaller number. And as soon as you see what they're doing, everyone reacts as though everyone in DC is a terrorist. Right. Yeah. Uh, and that was, um, it's, it's funny, but I've noticed in, in my few years on earth that uh, some of the people who emphasize charity, kindness, peace, nonviolence 
are some of the most violently uncharitable people I've ever seen. Mm. And to reflexively and immediately uh, say, those people are bad, all of them wicked, unlike me, I am good, uh, in response to news, is never right. Um, and that's what I saw a lot of. And, and, and there's a lot of messaging, by the way, that you hear for anyone who's an opponent of, let's say, the godless secularist left. Um, among leaders in our camp, roughly speaking, half of the commentary you hear essentially boils down to, gosh, aren't all of us awful except me? <laughs> and it's not even addressed to the what Archbishop Vigano might call the children of light. It's addressed to the left. Mm. And what it really means is don't hurt me. I am afraid I will do your bidding as long as you leave me alone. As long as and you I leave will me even alone. Be, yeah. Yeah, that's sad. We're speaking with Stephen Harried, uh, Catholic and political commentator. And, you know, Stephen, um, back when the uh, BLM riots were taking off, you know, Antifa, BLM, and remember when they were in front of the White House? I'll never forget listening to the chilling words of Dan Bongino the next day talk about that event. Because Dan had served as a Secret Service agent uh, protecting President Obama. And he, mm-hmm. he knew what it meant to have to fend off rioters on those grounds. And the way he described it, it brought chills to my bone. I served in the Marine Corps. I have been trained in combat skills. I know what it means to, uh, to shoot, move, and communicate. And he, the way he described, uh, based on his conversations with his colleagues that were there that night and defending the White House property, he said they were moving and coordinated fashion, and they were intent on piercing the fences and getting in. And I thought, that is absolutely insane. That is, this is a whole new level of insanity. I have to tell you, I felt a little the same way yesterday, watching the video of protesters break through barriers, use those very barriers to scale walls. This is in, this is, this was insane. This was insane. Mm. On the whole, how did you feel about just hearing of the news, let alone having, having not seen it? My, okay, yeah. As soon as, soon as I heard it, um, I, I, I have become so cynical, Joe. I'm sorry. <laughs> as soon as I heard it, I thought, uh, okay, who am I hearing this from and who's going to benefit from it? A great commentator called uh, Jay Richards, um, uh, who's a great follow on social media, and he's also got a lot of content. He's worked with EWTN. Uh, that was also something he immediately said. He said, who stands to benefit from this news? Not the right. Right. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, that's, and then not the church, not the unborn. Mm. Um, this was, uh, you know, and, and from what I've seen since, I, I just don't, I cannot make sense of it. Uh, there, there's a huge rally. Everyone knows of it for weeks. It's coming. And, this the military uh, deployments and the Capitol Hill police and hold that thought, Stephen. We'll let you finish that thought on the other side of the break. We're got to go to a quick break. We're speaking with Stephen Harried, uh, Catholic and political commentator. We're talking about the D.C. riot yesterday and uh, the peaceful protest that got totally scuttled. We'll talk about more of that on the other side of the break, right here on Catholic Drive Time. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.
Paragraph 2223 in the Catechism of the Catholic Church states that parents have the first responsibility for the education of their children. First and foremost, this is in regards to the education in the faith. One really fun way of doing this is to take a Catholic calendar and at the beginning of each month, choose a day to celebrate, either a saint's day or a feast day. For instance, on December 12th, the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe, spread a serape across the table, have a Mexican food feast and put on the mariachi music. Place a statue or a picture of Our Lady of Guadalupe in the middle of the table. Tell the kids who she is and why you're celebrating. Do this every month with a different saint or feast day and imagine how much of the faith that you will learn together while you have fun as a Catholic family. This has been a minute for your marriage and family from the Three Hearts Institute. You can find us at threeheartsinstitute.org. The daughters of St. Paul share with everyone the hope Christ came to give. These women religious evangelize with the communication media. They are artists, writers, speakers, radio producers, editors, singers, reaching people of today with every form of media. The sisters combine their apostolate with a life of prayerful contemplation and a joyful life in community. If you would like to learn more about the daughters of St. Paul, visit their website at www.pauline.org. Christ and all things. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. We're speaking with Stephen Harry, Catholic and political commentator, We're talking about the uh, the story out of D.C. yesterday. Stephen, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Now, before we went to break, uh, you were you were making a point. I'm gonna let you finish your point uh, if you want to pick up where you left off. Yeah, it just the whole thing doesn't make sense to me, Joe. I don't understand how there's a massive rally. We know of it for weeks ahead of time. Military uh, 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 forces are deployed to a degree to, uh, to provide security. There's Capitol Hill Police. There's Secret Service. There's congressional security. And they can't stop people from storming the Capitol building? Well, uh, I, don't, I don't know how that happens. There's video. Um, Elijah Schaefer with the blaze actually was standing yep. the, and he has video. You can check it out. It's uh, posted up on the blaze. You can actually see the video of the point where the writers were arguing with, uh, that the very few police officers standing by this barricade. I mean, there was just very few there. Yeah, I saw that. And they, they eventually get to the point where they are tearing down the barricade and then they use the barricade to scale the walls. Like that mm-hmm. is, that is insane. Uh, I mean, and then of course, when it did get very serious, then all of a sudden we see the numbers of officers and various other, uh, you know, authority come out in, in mass quantity. I mean, to see the, when I was watching the video of the, uh, of the police officers high up on the terrace shooting tear gas down into the crowd, boy, that, that was, that, that gave my heart a minute or two to stop and ponder about the seriousness of the circumstances. Um, it, it was a little otherworldly to say the least. But, um, and that was, and I guess part of, to your point too, one of the other things that I was thinking was how quickly we all react. I'm putting myself in this category. We all react to what little information we actually have and know, you know, not knowing who's involved, not knowing what's going on, just throwing, you know, things into the mix. And it happens on mainstream media. It happens on other media. It happens with everyone. And my, my Facebook feed was going wild. And I, as I said earlier, uh, Facebook actually thought I was one of the gentlemen inside the, uh, 
inside the Capitol building. The guy with the communist wow. tattoo on his palm, on his on his outside of his hand, yeah. st- standing next to to uh, to Rathgar, the Viking guy. Uh, they, Facebook yeah. thought I was him and was trying to tag me in all of his photos. <laughs> and I'm like, no, uh, I am not him. No, I would not I like it. See, have stormed the Capitol. That- that's radical solidarity, Joe. You have to. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Thank you. Yeah, he flew uh, in after the show. It's too crazy. bad Stephen couldn't finish the interview. Isn't it bad that Stephen had to go? I'm, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. All right, uh, yeah. let's transition a bit here. We have about ten minutes left with Stephen Harried. Uh, where do we go from here? I mean, how do we? we we're, obviously, uh, Joe Biden is the next president of the United States, and he will be sworn in in less than two weeks. And we all know that even even though he identifies as Catholic, he holds he espouses ideas that are repugnant to Catholic faith. And we have to find a way forward. I say it's evangelization in spite of the law. What do you say, Stephen Harried? Amen. Yeah, evangelization in spite of the law is nice. Um, I, I also think that uh, th- there's um. One of the biggest threats that I've seen on the horizon for a while is um, COVIDism, if you can call it that. It's like a, it's not the it's not the disease. It's it's a movement. It's a brand of ideology. Um, the lockdowns uh, are a huge problem. Um, they are killing people um, and ruining lives and reshaping our country and our culture. And uh, we need to put a pin in that. We really need to stop it. It's extremely important. Now, luckily, it is possible to go to a decent red county, and I did. I actually moved ahead of this year. Just did you? Where did you move from? I moved from Dane County right outside of Madison, Wisconsin, which is a very, very blue part of the country. And, um, you know, I made a difficult decision where I said, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to, you know, be uh, a thorn in the side of this blue, deep blue area. I'd rather be. Uh, part of a healthy community that I can help build up and that can be a refuge for people who realize that they have to get out. We call that Texas, Stephen. Uh, yeah, I'm I've not heard, sure if yeah. you got the memo, but uh, <laughs> no, I'm only teasing, of course. But I think that's a trend that a lot of people, I mean, obviously, speaking of Texas, you have tech giants moving to Texas. I mean, it's a massive immigration influx into states like Texas and others, and you're seeing it even down to the county level is what you're saying. Yes. And I think that you can, if you can't make it to Texas, if you have family in a blue county or whatever, and they refuse to leave or whatever, uh, it's not a terrible idea to go to a good, solid red county where there's a decent church. Um, and what we can do is there's a local guy here who I really admire, Joel Postuma, um, who is a owner of a restaurant and bar, and he refused to close. And he's a very upstanding guy. He's kind of a pillar of the community. And he called the sheriff, who he knew was a good constitutionalist guy, basically said, I'm not closing. What are you going to do about it? You know? And um, and he had a conversation with the sheriff and basically kind of made the sheriff say, well, I'm a constitutional. I can't do anything about this. Um, you know, I'm not going to enforce this on you. They might take away your licenses. And Joel said, well, I'm going to die if I comply with the orders. So I might as well, you know, stay alive as long as I have my license. So he's kept it open. Little things like that should be encouraged. And you can build up your local community. Um, and, and, I, and I think that's a, that's, that's a fine thing to do. And, and also, don't give in to – here's the thing. Uh, my pastor is Father Rich Heil, Richard Heilman, uh, and he's a great homilist, an interesting guy. And he said over the summer, when he looked at BLM and Antifa riots, where there were literal murders, 
um, and it was not being prosecuted because big left money basically had inserted district attorneys and attorneys general and sheriffs mm. into the areas where these riots were happening, and they would not prosecute them. Um, plus, the media uh, patted them on the back every time they rioted and ruined lives and shut down businesses and burned things down. And my pastor said, what this teaches is that bullying works. So we're changing the culture. People looking on today, especially as they come of age, are, are learning uh, violence and, and just hectic uh, we're, bullying. We're there, Stephen. I mean, the yeah. cancel culture yeah. is is off the chains anymore. You can't – I mean, we were uh, – Adrian and I were discussing this off air earlier. Um, we live in a day and an age where – we have people who can't have opinions because their employer may fire them because of the pressure placed on the employer. I mean, we uh, apparently being employed means you have no First Amendment rights anymore. Um, and, and that's yeah. the day and the age we live in that you can, you can only have an opinion so long as that opinion agrees with the culture that decides to cancel or not cancel. And uh, we see yeah. a lot of acquiescing going on as a result of that. And that's not good. I mean, violence is terrible and we shouldn't resort to it ever, in my opinion. Uh, however, uh, we have a situation here where there is a certain amount of, uh, of people within the, the, this protest that were at a stage where they felt like, I mean, I even watched a video on LifeSite News this morning. The guy said, what else was we, were we supposed to do? I mean, I don't agree with this guy, to be honest with you. I do not agree with him. However, this was part of those people that went into that building yesterday. They felt like they had to take the building, and I believe they were wrong. Stephen Harry, what say you? Uh, yeah, I don't think that was at all constructive. But part of why it wasn't constructive is because we have... Uh, an extremely uncharitable and fractured uh, right. Um, you can expect this is the, what happened yesterday. Is the left did what you always expect it to do. And unfortunately, a lot of the right did what you always can expect them to do. Uh, it's like an inchworm. Um, uh, the, the left pushes a, a way of doing things, violence, right? Yeah. Without repercussions all over the summer. Mm. The right, it, it, it resists even mildly. I mean, for one thing, were any of the people who went into the Capitol armed? No. Not that I know of. Except for the guy with well, the horns. He had a spear. He did have a spear. And, and I think that was really kind of cool, if you're, if you're honest. But, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that guy was cool at all. He, he, he should not have been there. <laughs> no, no, that was nonsense. And by the way, he's one of the guys that a lot of people are saying is Antifa or BLM or something. I think he he's might, there for the party. I want to say he a, was little... more related to QAnon. There's there's, <laughs> there's images of him floating about that are related to QAnon, and that is that is otherworldly as well. Yeah, well, and, and frankly, it's pretty obvious he's not. I just don't think he's a serious person. He was right. there for fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. Anyway, you you know you look at you look at that, and and unfortunately. Like I said, reflexively, within minutes, uh, it, you cannot have a, a, a healthy movement in, in, in the face of a coordinated, uh, well, coup, for that matter. If mm. this is a, a election theft, in the face of an extremely coordinated, ruthless, essentially Marxist movement with backers in all of the institutions of power and influence, from corporate uh, power all the way through uh, people in the intelligence community. When you're facing an enemy like that, you cannot be this cringing, uh, uh, disparate group that, that will um, 
apologize for something you didn't even do mm -hmm. on command. And that's what happened yesterday, unfortunately. I mean, like, everyone on the right is guilty until they say they're sorry. It's like one of those silly children's games where you have to put your pointer finger on your nose. And, and that's what it was like yesterday. It was this big game of who can the most quickly uh, say that this is wrong loosely and let the left define what it is that we're saying is wrong. We, we and only therefore have help create... Okay. Well, basically, all in all, it helped create a narrative that everyone at the Capitol was wrong. Everyone sympathetic to them is a terrorist sympathizer. And that was evil to participate in. Well, I could say this. It, it, neither here nor there of who was involved, who decided to make this breach, who decided to perpetuate this. Uh, at the end of the day, the result is the same. The last chance the people had that went there to make their voice heard was taken away because of the chaos. And that is a sad part, too. So, Stephen Harried, uh, Catholic and political commentator, thank you for being on our program today. Uh, we appreciate our conversation with you. Thank you, Joe. God bless you. God love you. And uh, don't go anywhere. If you're able to join us in the next hour, we surely would love to have you. If you're looking for this particular conversation, be sure to check back later on our YouTube channel, youtube.com. I think it's forward slash Catholic Drive Time, or just search for Catholic Drive Time on YouTube. We'll post the individual conversation with Stephen uh, later today. But in the next hour, we're going to have the game show. Prizes are involved. It's a lot of fun teaching you a little bit about the faith. Plus, we'll have a conversation with the Glad Trad. There's a trend towards the traditional. Why is that? Why? Why are young people so attracted to the traditional in greater and greater numbers? We're going to have that conversation in the next hour, plus more breaking news and stories still to come on Catholic Drive Time. On behalf of Emily and Adrian and myself, God love you, God bless you, Jesus Christ is King. We'll see you next hour. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. My Protestant friends say the Catholic Church has added a lot of man-made traditions to the Word of God. Is that true? No, it's not true. Protestants go by the written Word of God alone or sacred scripture alone. Catholics go by the entire Word of God as it is found in sacred scripture and sacred tradition. All of the Word of God was originally passed down as oral tradition. Eventually, some of it was written down. This became sacred scripture or written tradition. However, Scripture itself tells us that not all the things that Jesus said and did were written down. That's where sacred tradition comes in. Paul says this about tradition. 2 Thessalonians 2.15 So then, brethren, stand firm and hold to the traditions which you were taught by us, either by word of mouth or by letter. Traditions taught by word of mouth and traditions taught by letter. Sacred Scripture and sacred tradition. In 1 Corinthians 11.2, Paul commends them for maintaining the traditions as he has delivered them sacred scripture and sacred tradition. 2 Timothy 2 verse 2 And what you have heard from me before many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. This is an instance in scripture of Paul commanding the passing on of oral tradition. 
1 Thessalonians 2, verse 13. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God. They received as the word of God that which they heard, not simply that which they read in Scripture. In other words, the Bible clearly supports the Catholic Church's teaching that the Word of God is contained in both sacred Scripture and sacred tradition. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. The universe is filled with order from top to bottom. And it's a beautiful order, and not only is it beautiful, it's order that we can actually comprehend. And it's almost as if we have been made to be able to comprehend that order in the universe, to be able to contemplate it so that we can see maybe that purpose behind it. Please visit Father Spitzer's website, magiscenter.com, to watch this beautiful and important video about purpose and God's creation. That's magiscenter.com. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It's so good to be on with you this morning. Praise be to God. In all things, praise be to God. Christ is King. We are headed towards the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of man. Last hour, we dealt with the DC story, and and, uh, you can check out the the podcast version over on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. You can also uh, get the individual conversations that we're posting on our brand new YouTube channel. And uh, just search for Catholic Drive Time. You'll find it there. It's a great way to do it. Uh, but uh, Emily Alcaraz is here. Good morning to you, Emily. Good morning, Joe. How are you doing? Uh, I want to do better this hour than last hour. It's same here. <laughs> it's like I want to I take the weight of the emotion off and just set it to the side. It was just so heavy. Yeah, it really was. Yeah. yeah. Hard news this morning. Hard news this morning out of D.C., as we know. We'll talk more about that a little bit in this hour. Mostly last hour, though. You should check out the podcast if mm-hmm. you're just joining us. By the way, if you're just joining us, January the 18th, we're going to start a live broadcast Holy Mass day, Monday through Friday at 7.30 a.m. Central, 8.30 a.m. Eastern. On January the 18th, it starts... So uh, Catholic Drive Time will go uh, on social media only for the last half hour at that point. So mark your calendars. January the 18th, we start the live mass broadcast in this hour. But uh, good morning, Adrian Fonseca. Good morning. Yeah, I'm hoping uh, today, this uh, the second hour, will be a lot more fun. A lot light, more fun. Light, I'm looking forward to this interview. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good topic. So in this hour, we have the Trivia Game Show. We, are, we have the mega prize this week on the hook, and it's been a lot of fun. It's a great way to, uh, to learn your faith and to uh, just learn a little bit and have a laugh in the process as well as possibly win some cool prizes. All of that coming up in this hour. Plus, we'll speak with Jordan Pacheco and Rodolfo Carlos. Uh, from the Glad Trad podcast. Why are young people, according to the trends, moving more traditional? What is it about the tradition of the church that they are drawn to? Uh, we're seeing this in greater and greater numbers. So we've invited the guys from the Glad Trad podcast to help us better understand that all coming up in this hour. But let's begin with prayer. Whatever your intentions are, 
Of course, we're praying for the repose of the soul of the young woman who died yesterday in D.C. There's reports of maybe three more that died in relation to that. We don't know, but we're praying for their repose as well. Praying for your needs, dear listener, your family, your, your, your work, whatever, whatever your needs are, materially, spiritually, physically, we're praying for those. I'm praying for my family and our needs. I'm praying for our team here, Emily and her father, who's going to surgery today, praying for him. Uh, praying for our equipment, our show today, our radio apostolate across the Guadalupe Radio Network, and of course, our, uh, our car raffle to be very successful. Trying to give somebody a Mercedes. I, I hope that becomes a win-win. They get a Mercedes and we get to keep the operation funds coming in so that we can continue our radio apostolate. Praying for that success as well. So whatever your needs are, let's bring them to Our Lady that she may whisper them into the ear of her son and he may draw us ever so more closely into his most sacred heart. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To thee do I come. Before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now the headlines with Emily Alcarez. Violence broke out in the nation's capital yesterday, shortly after President Donald Trump addressed a large crowd gathered there to protest the election results. The protesters broke into the U.S. Capitol and the building had to be evacuated. One woman, an Air Force veteran from California, was shot and killed by police on the Capitol grounds. As of yesterday, 52 people have been arrested. The president posted a video yesterday calling for peace and for protesters to go home. Twitter deleted the president's post and locked him out of his account, threatening to permanently suspend him. The U.S. bishops also spoke out against the violence, and the USCCB posted a tweet which simply said, Lord God of peace, hear our prayer. Vice President Mike Pence confirmed Joe Biden's November victory early this morning. After violence broke out in the Capitol, Congress reconvened on Wednesday evening to finish counting the Electoral College votes. Vice President Mike Pence announced the tally 306 votes for Biden and 232 for Trump. In a statement released on Twitter by the White House, President Donald Trump said, quote, Even though I totally disagree with the outcome of the election and the facts bear me out, nevertheless, there will be an orderly transition on January 20th. The FBI is investigating a threat to fly a plane into the U.S. Capitol building. CBS reported that the threat to avenge the death of Iranian military leader Qasem Soleimani was broadcasted on air traffic control frequencies on Monday. The threat comes just a year after Soleimani was killed by a U.S. drone strike approved by the president, President Donald Trump. Iranian leaders have in recent days said that Trump himself would be dead within a few days. Pilots were told to be alert for any aircraft deviating from their standard flight patterns this week. Babies with Down syndrome are being aborted at increasingly alarming rates in Europe. A study published in December of 2020 in the European Journal of Human Genetics found that selective abortions have reduced the number of births of babies with Down syndrome in Europe by more than 50% in the past four years. Right to Life UK has estimated that 9 out of 10 women in the UK who receive a diagnosis of Down syndrome abort their child. In Poland, the Constitutional Tribunal struck down a provision earlier this year that allowed doctors to abort fetuses on the basis of congenital defects. In its decision, the Polish court argued that aborting a child because of probable birth defects 
constituted eugenics, or the effort to rid society of the weak and undesirable. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Thursday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. St. Lucian of Antioch, pray for us, born in the mid-3rd century in Syria. His parents were wealthy. When they passed, Lucian decided to give away all of his possessions, and he wanted to study rhetoric and philosophy, scripture, under Macarius in Edessa. And for a little while, he lived as a hermit, uh, but he would be ordained in Antioch and become the spiritual director of St. Pelagia of Antioch. And he obviously rose with some stature because he became the head of a school of theology there, and he in fact had a world-famous student. Uh, boy, Arius, the founder of Arianism, I mean, would uh, cause the church so many grave problems, and I argue still does today in some ways. Uh, in fact, he became, Lucian became the friend of many heretics, and he himself was execu- excommunicated from the church for a brief time, but by the grace of God was able to come back into full communion with the church. He became a noted scholar. He worked to ensure the most exact copies were made, and he would often correct copyists, because, you know, there weren't printing presses in those days, the mid-3rd century, early 4th century. There weren't printing presses, so copying the text of Scripture was a meticulous and methodical work, and you wanted to be exact about it, to communicate and pass on the the actual words, and not just add to it, you know? So, he ensured that these copyists were doing their jobs. In fact, he brought together his own complete edition of the Bible. It became known as the Lucian Recension and was used by many churches. In fact, St. Jerome himself consulted this in his own work to produce the Latin Vulgate, which is the text read at the Latin Mass. Uh, he was Lucian was arrested in Nicomedia and this was a time when Diocletian was persecuting Christians and it was a very difficult persecution. Many martyrs, many tortured Lucian himself spent nine years in prison during this time, and eventually he was dragged before the emperor, and he had a golden opportunity. If you were standing there before the emperor, what would you do, I wonder? What would I do? Well, Lucian struggled to his feet, and he gave a defense of the faith before the emperor. What a hero. Uh, He would be thrown back into his prison cell, given no food or water for 14 days, and then again hauled before a tribunal. And no matter what question they asked him, he responded, I am a Christian. He would be tortured, starved, and eventually a sword would be run through him, and he would die a martyr's death in Nicomedia in 312 AD. St. Lucian, pray for us. The gospel today comes from Luke chapter 4, verses 14 through 22. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news of him spread throughout the whole region. He taught in their synagogues and was praised by all. He came to Nazareth where he had grown up and went according to his custom into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. He stood up to read and was handed a scroll of the prophet Isaiah. He unrolled the scroll and found the passage where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring glad tidings to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, and to proclaim a year acceptable to the Lord. Rolling up the scroll, he handed it back to the attendant and sat down. 
And the eyes of all in the synagogue looked intently at him. He said to them, Today, this scripture passage is fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke highly of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. The Gospel of the Lord. I love, I just love the scene here. The intensity of the scene I can imagine just sitting there looking in the eyes of Christ and he's proclaiming Isaiah 58 and 61 here as being the, it's, it's fulfilled, it is done. You're looking at it, fulfilled in front of you right now. The kingdom of God is is upon you. I mean, that the sense of that must, I, I don't know, they probably didn't recognize that, but could you imagine sitting in the room and looking in his eyes as he said those words? Boy, that must have been intense. But one of the things I really like to, to point out in this passage is, because uh, we all hear this argument, it comes up, oh, there's like, YouTube videos with millions of views. There's arguments left and right. We see it all the time. Jesus was not religious. Is that true? You know, to be Christian does not have anything to do with religion. Could that be possible? The answer is no. I mean, we see right here an act of religion by our Lord, as was his custom to go into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. Every Sabbath day. Where was our Lord? In the synagogue. At least three uh, three feasts per year. Every uh, Israelite male, every Jewish male, had to go to the temple to offer the appropriate feasts there. Had to. And he did, without fail, every time. Uh, so we see that beautiful uh, sentiment that Christ, the God himself, reveals himself to mankind. And what he has asked us to do is not just have this relationship. We have to have that. But it's that plus plus. It's that relationship plus more. We must act in intentional and religious ways. And he has an opinion of that. And we see that here. But it's the powerful uh, sentiment that it is Jesus who is God sitting in front of them proclaiming this passage from Isaiah. It is powerful. It blows me away. Adrian, what say you? I just noticed that in your translation, it it throws, um, it's not this Joseph's son to the next line, to the next verse. Yes, it cuts yeah. off the verse halfway. Yeah, I didn't realize 20, that. It's, that's verse 22. It only takes the first half. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. 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 So I was reading it when I was doing the preparation for it. I was read, oh, oh, it's verse 22. So I read through it and it says the last sentence in verse 22, it says, and they said, is not this Joseph's son? And I think it's important to include that into this passage, uh, because in it, this is, uh, this is like the, the, the linchpin to this whole passage is that our Lord, he preaches and whenever he preaches, when he preaches something true, mm. the people see it and they're like, Oh, well, we, we need to dismiss this guy. Like he's, he's just, isn't that Joseph's son? Like, come on. Uh, so that, that happens today. We see it all the time. But they want to stone something. him after that. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's like we see the people and we, and we agree with them. We're like, Oh yeah, go you. And then as soon as they go say you. something that convicts you, that convicts you, um, immediately we're like trying to find an excuse to dismiss them. And so, so too here, whenever our Lord starts speaking truth and starts inter- opening the scriptures and uh, interpreting it in the light of the truth, which is himself, mm-hmm. they immediately are like, is this not Joseph's son? How yeah. can this guy say these things? This is ridiculous. Right. Come on, yeah. man. Yeah. So that's Come the kind on, of man. <laughs> that's kind of the, the uh, what I wanted to uh, focus on. All right, but guess what? We're going to go to a break here in a minute. We're going to come back with our fear and trembling trivia game show. And Emily, we have a big prize on the hook this week. 
Huge prize. Huge. The, the littlecatholicbox.com is sponsoring a mega prize this week. So A mega prize. You're going to want to call in. And the number, you can write it down now, 877-757-9424. You're going to want to get write in on Write it this. down. Call. You, the first caller gets to be the contestant. Oh, yeah. We're ready yeah, to take call callers. Now. So you call get, now. You get, a, you get three chances to get in. A, we put every chance goes into the coffee cup of divine providence. That's right. And to, tomorrow. Tomorrow's Friday, Tomorrow's right? Friday. Wow. We're going to draw a winner tomorrow. We'll draw the winner you're tomorrow. You're going to want to tune in. And the the value of our prize package this week? $149 from the littlecatholicbox.com. So thank you to them. Wow, your Chicago is really starting to come out. (laughs) Little Catholic Box, the box. Oh, my goodness. I'm I'm, I'm teasing you. I'm just teasing you. 877-757-9424. First caller gets to be our contestant. Game show's coming up next. We'll be right back. happy without God? Atheists say yes, we Christians say yes, but only to a certain extent. What's our reason? There are some natural human desires that can be satisfied without living for God. The desire for sensory pleasure, success, and loving relationships. There are certain desires, however, that can't be satisfied without God. For example, we don't just desire some love, we desire infinite love, love without limit. This is manifest when we get frustrated with imperfect manifestations of it. The same is true for knowledge, justice, and beauty. Since God alone is infinite in these perfections, only He can satisfy our desires for them. Therefore, to borrow from St. Augustine, without God, our hearts would be forever restless. And my friends, a restless heart is an unhappy heart. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers. Catholic.com day when each of us will be asked to review the movie of our life and give an account to God. We will sorrowfully relive the bad times and joyfully revisit the good. Thankfully, no matter what you've done, there is hope. Since Jesus came not to condemn the world, but to save it. So if you've been away from church for a while, we invite you to come home and find the peace that only comes from God. Visit CatholicsComeHome.org. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Fear and Trembling, the Catholic Trivia Game Show, where we get a great opportunity to learn a little bit about our faith, have a little chuckle in the process, and give away some very cool prizes. And uh, we have some great prizes on the hook this week, so we're super excited about that. One more time, Emily, who is our sponsor? What's their website? TheLittleCatholicBox.com. You can find them at their website, also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. They're giving away their prayer space box today or on tomorrow, uh, valued at $149. Wow. Praise be to God. $149. And all you got to do is be our contestant. So we're super excited. Now, here's how the game is played before we go to the phones. You don't actually have to know the answers to these questions because we don't ask the caller. Instead, we ask Emily and Adrian. One has a right answer. The other has a wrong answer. And the caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to decide who's right, 
Who's wrong? It's a 50-50 shot. Every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence. And tomorrow we will pull out a winner and they will be announced live on the air in this hour. And they will uh, receive the incredible prize from our sponsor this week. So thank you to our sponsor for generously uh, underwriting this week's prize pack. Praise God for that. All right. Uh, let's go to the phones. I want to thank, before I do, I want to thank uh, Raquel and Don, who both called in to be contestants. Uh, thank you for calling in. We're very grateful to you. Try again tomorrow, maybe. Uh, but it was Robert that was the first caller. Good morning to you, Robert. How are you? Praise God I'm alive. How are you? Same. I'm praying that uh, Joe Biden stops supporting abortion. Amen. Amen. I do, too. Where are you from, Robert? D.C. D.C. Wow. Wow. Well, no, I was not at the Capitol yesterday. <laughs> well, we spent a lot of time talking about that in the last hour. So uh, we're praying, obviously, for, for, uh, for our country and for D.C. in particular today. But, uh, Robert, oh, yeah. do, let's have a little bit of fun in the light, uh, and a little lightheartedness in the midst of, uh, of deepness there. Let's, uh, do you understand the rules of the game, Robert? Yep, yep, I've heard it before. Praise be to go. Are you you're ready to go? I like that. Raring to go. <laughs> I like this. Uh, now, don't be fooled. Adrian does not always get wrong answers. I'm just saying that. <laughs> just, okay. just usually. Just usually, but... I shall not be deceived. <laughs> <laughs> I wish the rest of the country was like that. Anyway, okay. Uh, Emily, we're going to start with you. Alrighty. Uh, are you ready? Let's do this. Are yeah. you ready? Mm-hmm. Are you sure? Yes. Okay, here we go. Uh, Emily, what is the opposite virtue of the capital sin of sloth? Opposite of sloth. It would be... I thought it was pronounced sloth, Joe. Sloth? sloth what, I don't well, know. You're from Chicago, so I was just... Oh, sloth. you want me to say sloth. Sloth. <laughs> I was just trying to honor... But anyway, sloth? Well... Sloth? Is it sloth? Uh, this is a good one for me, uh, because <laughs> this is a virtue I like to strive for. It's diligence. Okay, mm-hmm. diligence. So the opposite of sloth uh-huh. is diligence. You sure? Yes. All right. Mm-hmm. Let's see what Adrian has to say. Adrian, what is the opposite of the capital sin of sloth? All righty. Uh, see, I thought it was Acidia. I mean, we're just like throwing out names over here. I mean, what are we talking about? I thought okay. it was Achadia. But Achadia, no. I don't know, man. It's sloth. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to go with um, with the virtue of faith, the supernatural virtue of faith. That's what I'm going to go You're with. You're on the hook for supernatural virtue of faith as the opposite of sloth. And Emily is on the hook for diligence. Who's right? Who's wrong? 15 seconds on the clock. Robert, what say you? Oh, we're going with Emily all the way. Wow, very <laughs> confident. Survey Good says choice, Robert. Congratulations. Yes, we did it. Well, well done, sir. Well I asked done. the Holy Spirit to help me. I don't know if that's cheating or not. <laughs> what about me, Robert? <laughs> Is the Holy Spirit Latin for Google? I'm just curious. I'm just 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 curious there. Uh, you're it all, is. You're, <laughs> you're in the uh, coffee cup of divine providence for one try. Congratulations. Uh, ready for two more opportunities here. Let's see if they get any harder. Uh, Adrian, we're starting with you. Adrian, what does the picks contain the picks the like, picks like the thing you go into like the mines with that kind of thing the picks the picks, uh, the picks. you know what uh, a picks is? i think oh, that's short it, for pictures is no it is not is the, is the picks the thing that they put the the cotton with the holy oil in it 
I'm gonna go. That's is what I'm that go your with. That's where I'm going with. The picks is. I was the asking thing you, hoping you're gonna give me the answer. The he almost did. Cotton, <laughs> I was gonna give it to you. I was, I was tempted. You were suckering me, and I wasn't going for it. All right, so you're on the hook for cotton and holy oil. A container yeah. of cotton and holy order. That's what I'm gonna go holy, with. Holy oil. I holy said order. Oil, oil. oil. Yeah, you don't. You can't put holy orders in a box. <laughs> in a box. Okay. In a box. <laughs> in a box. <laughs> All right. Uh, Leave me alone. Let's see what Emily has to say here. Emily, what does the picks contain? So the picks, um, I know this from years of teaching catechism to small children, is what we put the blessed sacrament in to take it to people who are in need, who are sick at home. Okay. So blessed sacrament for Emily, holy oil and cotton for Adrian. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Robert, what say you? We'll be going with a blessed sacrament today. <laughs> <laughs> is this still Robert? <laughs> I think it we, is. We've, we've switched to Ireland, apparently. Congratulations. <laughs> I didn't know we had a station in Ireland. <laughs> Congratulations. Well yes, done, Robert. Robert. Yes, uh, yes. Holy oil is not the answer. That's a good good call there. All right, third and final question. Uh, again, should, should be somewhat easy because most of us have heard this name before uh, in Holy Mass. Okay, so here we go. Uh, Emily, we're back to you. Okay. Who was the second Pope? Ooh, okay. Well, from reading the... I used to do the Office of Readings every day, and we'd have readings from Clement of Rome, and he's the other early Christian Pope I know of, so I'm going to go with Clement of Rome. Clement of Rome is your answer? Yeah. Sounds reasonable. I don't know. Adrian, uh, let's see what you have to say. Who was the second pope? Yeah, I mean, that's, I think, every every Catholic should know the first couple popes, you know? It's in the, whenever we pray the Roman canon, it's in the Roman canon. So it's Linus, Cletus, Clement, Sixtus, Carcinolus, Carcinolus, uh-huh. I can't say words. Uh, can't say words, uh, but it's Linus. Saying. There we go. Linus is your answer? That's what I'm going. St. Linus, we want to be specific. So, no, he's whoa, a saint. saint. Like from Charlie Brown? Uh, maybe not. And uh, who did you say again, Emily? Uh, Clement of Rome. Okay, so Adrian's on the hook for Linus. Emily's on the hook for Clement. Uh, Clement's letter to the uh, Corinthians is quite good, by the way. It is. Uh, 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Robert, what say you? Lucy and Snoopy and her friend Linus. <laughs> your friend Linus <laughs> survey says perfect there you go score, perfect score three wow. for three. you made it three look a little too easy Robert I'm going to have to come up with harder questions I think but congratulations well, I, perfect game well I am game. on the RCIA team so ah, ah praise God oh, thank you for what doing parish, that what parish do you go to there Robert St. Mary the Assumption. St. Mary the Assumption. Mm. Well, we're so grateful to you today for being a part of our program. Don't go anywhere. We're going to put you on hold to get your information in case you are the winner. You get three opportunities in the coffee cup of divine providence. So hopefully, who knows, God willing, tomorrow your name will be pulled out and you'll get the uh, the prize pack. What's the prize pack again? It's the prayer space box valued at $149 from thelittlecatholicbox.com. Thelittlecatholicbox.com. Awesome. God bless you, Robert. Thank you. Go on. I'm going to put you on hold, but you have too. a great day. Thanks. You too. All right. Praise be to God in all things. That was fun. We had a good time that there. That was fun. And uh, I like the Irish accents, the, the, the uh, Chicago accents. Who knows what we're going <laughs> to get on Catholic Trivia Game Show. Don't go anywhere. Breaking news and stories coming up next, plus our interview with the Glad Trad Podcast all coming up after this break. Having trouble with your car radio? No worries. The Guadalupe Radio Network has just released our new version of our app. 
With the app, you can get a crystal clear connection of your local station no matter where you are. You can also listen to podcasts of past shows and find more ways to connect with us. Getting the new app is easy. Just search the App Store on your phone for the Guadalupe Radio Network and either download it or if you already have it, choose the update option. Happy listening. Have you ever dialogued with someone who espouses relativism, which says there is no truth or it might be true for you, but not for me? It's pretty frustrating. Deep down, we know these claims are false, but we often don't know why. Here's the reason. To say there is no truth is a contradiction. The assertion is tantamount to saying it's true that there is no truth, plain absurdity. Now, the other position, there is no absolute truth, just truth relative to the individual set of beliefs, is problematic as well. The usage of the verb is implies an assertion about the objective order of things. It's the same thing as saying it's absolutely true that there is no absolute truth, which of course is a contradiction. No matter how the relativist slices the pie, he ends up with a contradiction, making relativism an unreasonable worldview. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. So many of us carry such heavy burdens. You're crazy! Deep within, we struggle. Come on, babe. It'll be fun. Because sin separates us from God. She's got a relationship with George. But thanks to the grace of confession, God compassionately listens, forgives, and sets us free. So if it's been a while since you've been to confession or mass, come home and experience a fresh start. Visit catholicscomehome.org. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. We want to thank our callers from the game show. Uh, thank you for calling in. Try again tomorrow. We are giving away the littlecatholicbox.com's prayer space box. Now these are your Thursday morning headlines. No charges are being filed against the officer who shot Jacob Blake. The Blake shooting happened three months after George Floyd died and led to violent riots in Kenosha, Wisconsin, after many news outlets falsely claimed that Blake was unarmed. The Washington Post had to issue a correction after inaccurately reporting that Blake was unarmed when he was shot. Police reports clearly state that Blake was armed with a knife. Kyle Rittenhouse, the teenager who was arrested at the Kenosha riots after fatally shooting two people, pleaded not guilty to all charges at a hearing on Tuesday. After riots in the nation's capital, Senator Kelly Loeffler and other GOP lawmakers are dropping their plans to object to election results. Loeffler, speaking from the Senate floor, said the unrest and acts of violence that occurred earlier in the day had forced her to reconsider challenging the electoral votes in several disputed states. At least 14 Republicans went on the record ahead of Wednesday saying that they would contest the electoral college results in Congress, but a number of them reversed course along with Loeffler. The House has also voted against objecting to Arizona's electoral college votes. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention reported on Wednesday that at least 52 cases of the new COVID-19 strain have been found in the U.S. Although the new variant appears to be more contagious than the original coronavirus, there's no evidence that it's more deadly. The CDC also reported that 21 people experienced severe allergic reactions to the Pfizer vaccine, a rate much higher than the adverse reactions to the flu vaccine. A Florida doctor, as well as a woman in Portugal, have both died unexpectedly now after getting the Pfizer vaccine. The woman, who was a healthcare worker, had no pre-existing conditions. 
As he celebrated Mass on the Solemnity of the Epiphany of the Lord on Wednesday, Pope Francis urged Catholics to devote more time to worshiping God. Preaching in St. Peter's Basilica on January 6th, the Pope said, quote, In our day, it is particularly necessary for us, both as individuals and as communities, to devote more time to worship. We need to learn ever better how to contemplate the Lord. We have somewhat lost the meaning of the prayer of adoration, so we must take it up again, both in our communities and in our own spiritual lives. At the Mass, the cantor proclaimed that Easter Sunday will fall on April 4th this year and Lent will begin on February 17th. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Thursday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Thank you, Emily, for uh, reading us the news. Uh, very grateful to get uh, all the latest information. Uh, joining us right now by uh, Zoom chat is the Glad Trad podcast, uh, Jordan uh Pacheco. I want to say this correct. Jordan Pacheco. Did I get that right, Jordan? Yep, that would be absolutely right. Praise God, I got something right today. I feel good about that. <laughs> Jordan Pacheco and Rodolfo Carlos. Good morning to you, Rodolfo. Good morning. And did I say your name correctly? You did. <laughs> a two for two. I feel good about hey, this. It happens every once in a while. Every once in a while. We're going to have a great conversation here. And so the, here's the thing. In this twenty in the 2020 year, which is now behind us, 2021 is looking so much better, by the way. Um 2020, we saw a, a huge push even to the traditional. I, myself, my family and I, we obviously uh, started to go to a TLM on a regular basis, and we are growing more traditional. But there's a whole trend among young people moving to the traditional. Why is that? Why? What is it about the tradition of the church that seems so attractive to uh, to younger people? That's the question that I wanted to have a conversation around, and we invited the Glad Trad podcast, Jordan Rodolfo, to be a part of the program. Good morning to both of you again. Uh, good morning. morning. Thanks for having us. Let's start, uh, before we jump into that, tell us about the Glad Trad podcast. I've heard of Mad Trads. I've heard of Rad Trads. I don't think I've ever heard of a Glad Trad. <laughs> tell us, what is, what is that supposed to mean? Yes. So uh, the Glad Trad podcast, which Rudy and I founded, is supposed to be highlighting the kind of more positive and, uh, and exciting changes in Catholic traditionalism and orthodoxy. As you said, there's a lot of young people. There's a lot of Catholics who are kind of rediscovering the traditional practices of the church. This often means the Latin mass, uh, traditional forms of piety, ember days. Um, all those sorts of things. And so Rudy and I both uh, had our faith rejuvenated by the attendance of the Latin Mass and uh, and also just a kind of an in-depth dive into young uh, Catholic culture that comes with it as well. So besides just all the kind of the great theological or the great uh, sort of uh, traditions of the church, we also highlight cool changes such as uh, pipe smoking, which is research into Catholic masculinity <laughs> and memes, which is yeah. all over the track community so a bunch of fun too we're really happy doing it and where does one find the glad trad podcast where's the best outlet to go to we're mostly on youtube uh, but we do have a small presence on uh, instagram as well uh, but you can actually find us on any streaming platform uh, that carries podcasts Wonderful. Praise be to God. I hope our audience will check that out. Plus, I think we can post links to their YouTube channel, maybe, or their Stitcher. I've got their Stitcher up in front of me as well. So plenty of ways to connect to the Glad Trad podcast. You should check that out, dear listener. Uh, let's have a conversation. Let's dive into this. Uh, you know, I, I've often uh, uh, chewed and meditated upon... A especially St. Paul's words in Second Thessalonians, to hold fast to the traditions that we have handed on by either word of mouth or by letter. I've, I've 
I have chewed on that verse so many years. I've used it to defend the Catholic teaching on tradition so many years. And, and more recently, I've realized its context, its greater context in light of the great apostasy and the rebellion in the church, uh, as St. Paul says himself in that very chapter. But I, the, the thought, as I personally grow more traditional, having not grown up that way, I was a Protestant growing up and coming into the church and, and not really understanding the traditions, the thought occurred to me is what what does it mean to embrace the tradition of the church like um, I don't even under fully understand exactly what does it mean what is the is it just the TLM or is it more than the TLM and if if so what is the more in the traditions that it seems so many young people now statistically are being drawn to what say you Jordan and Rodolfo Extreme good question. Let's go this morning. Uh, I'd say again, it's kind of adhering to the sort of cultural and theological roots that made for authentic Catholic culture in the past. So it's more than just a traditional Latin mass. Although, as you'll see with the TLM, there are just these profound roots that are, that are embedded that I think that we've lost in a lot of translation as we've, as we've kind of experienced in Novus Ordo. And so from there, of course, it's talking about, say, uh, turning from something like the Novo Teologi back to, to more authentic Thomism. It's an embrace of, of Catholic education as not just so much as a, as a genuine rival to public education, but as a real serious approach to classical education. It's understanding that, that the church uh, binds and looses, uh, not for our, just for the heck of it, but really to, to authenticate and unwater our souls. So there's just a whole underlying background of uh, music uh the the entire underlying roots of what sacred music means like it's not just if you have a voice you can give it to praise god but it's a, a real confined and really wonderful uh, tradition again uh, inside the church that has spread throughout the centuries so there's a lot of movements that have had that are going on and especially in a world where so many young catholics especially are just yearning for truth and authenticity uh, that orthodoxy keeps rising to the top above uh, other sorts of things in the church now i'm just curious rudy and jordan were you both raised in the traditional form of Catholicism, or were you raised in more of the newer, modern version? Actually, I was uh, I was raised in the Novus Ordo, but um, my parents, most of my family weren't really practicing. So I sort of came into the church at a later part of my life. I was around 20 years old, and I wanted to finish my, uh, my sacraments of initiation. And afterwards, uh, maybe about five years after that, I discovered the Latin Mass, uh, thankfully through Jordan. So you're responsible for his troubles, Jordan. Yeah, yeah, I was that. I was that. I was that one kid in the in the young adult group who went Latin, and then would kind of like sneak back in, be like, "Hey, y'all should come with me sometimes." There's right always the one of those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that was Jordan. Well, uh, let me give an example of what I mean by you know. Learning as I go and, and being surprised by what I learn. Again, I was raised a Protestant. I became Catholic in 1998 and just to get married to my wife or 99. I got, I came into the church so I can check a box and get married. I had a mystical encounter with Christ that changed my life. And then I went on a wild ride. And I still did not know the traditions of the church or understand why I should even care. But yet the other day, uh, day before yesterday, I was able to go to a traditional blessing of holy water and salt 
That mm. blew my socks off. I mean, mm-hmm. it was beautiful. It was epic. It was my whole family uh, was just uh, drawn into this. This was our first one ever. And we were just like, this is amazing. This is so incredible. And the place was packed. I mean, there was just yeah. young families everywhere. Kids mm-hmm. are everywhere. So, uh, again, what do you think? Why? There's statistically the the traditional parishes are are growing at a, quite a clip. Uh, again, what is so attractive to young people who've never experienced it before? I'm an old person. I hadn't experienced it before, but I'm attracted to it. Why the young people? You know, and part of, part of, uh, my, my liking of converts a lot of times is that you guys have to really fight to come into the faith, Joe. I'll just say right off the bat, where us yeah. as cradle Catholics, we more or less were supposed to inherit the kingdom, so to speak, and we either kind of broke the toys or we never knew that the toys existed. So I think for yeah. a lot of young people, we've grown up, uh, most of us, like I'm a, I'm a cradle in the Novus Ordo, and there just comes a point where we're not being fed, where it seems like we know that there's this ether of thousands of years of church tradition. We see the saints, we see how they dressed, and we start asking questions. Well, what did they, what did they write? What did they actually teach? What did they believe? What did they go to? And so I think that for a lot of people going into the traditional Latin Mass, they find a solid foundation that feels like like the church has not started flirting at times with the kind of the spirits of the age. You know, they, mm. they realize that, that the church has a sort of authority and whether people listen to it or don't listen to it, it's one thing. But, but they realize that the priests are, are, are oftentimes, uh, they're very masculine and they're very out there about their orthodoxy. They're not obscuring it. They're not trying for the sake of, of, of uh, over, over emphasis on, on the bad fruits of, um, of, of human charity to, to make bad theology or something like that. And so, uh, going to the Latin Mass, you realize that it's okay to want to have that family life. It's okay to want to cultivate that real relationship. I'm in pre-Cana right now. Um, what it means to be a husband and a father, what it means mm. for my fiance to be an authentic Catholic woman mm. and mother. And I think that there's just a lot of hair being let down because we no longer have to kind of conform to the ways of the world and kind of navigate this world of Catholic, but still making sure that we can still be part of the world in a, in a kind of a, an incorrect relationship. The other thing also is um, the externals of, for example, the new mass. We're taught very early on as you go into into the, uh, uh, for example, like um, um, I always forget the word, but uh, a program where you learn more about Catholicism. RCIA. RCIA, yes. So you're you're in RCIA, and there's a lot of discussion about tradition and what the, the church teaches. And then you go into the mass, and um, not to speak too broadly about every single mass, uh, Novus Ordo mass, but the externals don't really match what is being taught. So you you hear, oh, okay, well, Jesus is truly substantially present in the Eucharist, and yet there's all kinds of novelty around it. And so I think young people really are longing for authenticity they're looking for for something outside of novelty they're mm. looking for something to graft onto and tradition is really attractive and thankfully uh because a lot of people are interested um more organizations and uh just diocesan priests are offering the latin mass and they're seeing record numbers coming in as you mentioned i mean even for yourself and for jordan and i we're relatively new to tradition so uh, we've been able to see uh, the big growth. Uh, Jordan and I uh, attended, Jordan lives in Colorado now, but I still live in Los Angeles. But we we attended, um, and well, I still attend actually, the FSSP here in Los Angeles. And it's a really relatively new apostolate. 
And uh, we just have seen the explosion and have been a part of that growth. And really, we're, we're seeing so much, uh, so many people come in. It's incredible. Yeah, I think it's super interesting. I was looking at the, uh, a lot of my friends actually attend the fraternity parish here in Houston. And I thought it's super interesting because it's, group of friends that I have. I have we have one guy who is a former pagan, he was Hindu and he converted to Catholicism. Mm-hmm. We have wow. another guy who is a former Muslim converted to Catholicism, a couple cradle Catholics, a lot of Protestant converts, and we all have gotten together and just like bonded over the uh, the traditional form of Catholicism. And like Joe was talking about earlier, it doesn't mean just the mass. I mean the mass is important, mm-hmm. but it's the entire piety surrounding it like fasting and abstaining from meat on Fridays, that kind of thing. Um we desire to work hard hard at at our faith we want want it to not just be something that we do on sundays but it permeates through our whole lives and i feel like that's been lost in a lot of places um we're talking with jordan and rodolfo from the glad trad podcast we've linked to their podcast over on our live video feed at facebook.com forward slash grn online check that out Um, but they're on youtube you can just search for them for glad trad they're also on stitcher and itunes and the rest Uh, you should check them out and listen to some of their podcasts become a subscriber that'd be awesome we're having a conversation around traditions in the church and why especially young people are drawn and the, the reason why i focus on the young instead of old people like myself is that uh you know, where the youth are, there's the movement, right? So the question becomes in my mind um, that is the future of the Catholic Church uh, here in America at the very least, but I imagine similar trends are all over the world, uh, is the future of the church here in America more traditional than it ever has been in the past? Uh, either one of you want to comment? Yeah. Um, so I think especially in the age of the coronavirus, we can actually just see this manifest just by pure attendance alone. Um, as we've seen a lot of uh, parishes unfortunately closed down whether by their own hand or by you know the hands of those higher up to them a lot of traditional parishes have just also just remained open so many catholics who've never understood the latin mass or never would have set foot in one are just exploding into these parishes and many of those families are realizing oh wow this is actually a very deep approach to catholicism um and so as you see not just latin mass but of course uh, eastern rites and these things become more interesting you do see this kind of turn of tradition and I think, again, a lot of it just has to do with authenticity. And for me, I, I do think that there's a there's almost a tale of two churches sometimes. There, there are priests and bishops, good uh, priests and bishops, who really emphasize the importance of the sacraments, the importance of salvation. And uh, they exist not just, of course, in the Latin Mass, um, but they, they certainly are adhering to tradition even inside the Novus Ordo. Um, and then, of course, we've always had wolves in sheep clothing, and we do have bad priests and bishops mm. who... Uh, for the sake of false charity or the sake of the lack of supernatural faith, have decided that uh, that they would wreck everything inside. And so I think that Catholics now, more than ever, are kind of seeing a distinct choice between uh, authentic approach to the faith and the sort of falsehood that we're all supposed to sometimes pretend doesn't doesn't always exist. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, think so, you, too. Oh, oh, go ahead, Rudy. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say that, that Joe asked a very uh, good question because... Um, I'll never forget the first time I actually went to the Latin Mass. I I was re- recalling uh, or recanting to my my wife the other day that uh, the first time I ever went, I texted her immediately after, and I said, "It's crazy! Literally, all of the young families are here." And um, <laughs> it's it's true. It just continues to be true uh, wherever wherever you go. I was just in Colorado uh, about a week ago. And, um, the families there are relatively young. And I think, I think you hit, you hit the nail on the head there. I think the, the future is traditional. 
All of the young families are there. Emily? This is true. Yeah, that's right. And they say if your church isn't crying, then it's dying, right? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. So I also... <laughs> Are will... you trying to talk about my son crying at Mass all the time? <laughs> I oh, cry at Mass, Why you look right at me when you say that? <laughs> wow. Take him outside. <laughs> uh, so I also will never forget my first Latin Mass. I I had no idea what was going on, couldn't understand a word, and it was after... I, I went like after the gym, so I was in workout clothes. It was very embarrassing. But <laughs> So... A lot of the question that people have is why Latin? Latin's a dead language. We don't know what's going on. We can't understand it. Why are young people so drawn to a liturgy where they don't understand what's going, at least initially? That's a great yeah. question. Um, you mentioned Latin being a dead language. That's actually a really good thing because, because of it being dead, there can't be any new uh, additions to the language itself. And so therefore in the liturgy, it has uh, a more uh, permanence that you don't see uh, today outside of the Latin mass. Yeah, and there's I, for me. I think that there's there's just a profundity of of again, there's a melding of the theology that we all know and seeing mm-hmm. it in action. So um, there's this desire for everything to be comprehensible, but we know, especially as we get deep into our faith, that uh, just as Saint August, Augustine wrestled with, mm. uh, the more that we try to comprehend God, the, the you know the, the the wider and deeper He will always seem. And I think that there's a surrendering of the of the will, a surrendering yeah. of the faith that's more manifest, or at least opens the door a little bit differently when you're not having to understand every single word, but you know that that language is set aside yeah. and that it's sacred. And Latin is yeah. is one of the languages that were that was on the cross. It, it's one of the it's the language of the church. It's uh, and it's beautiful and its cadence and its rhythm. And it doesn't have to be changed. So it it has lived throughout the centuries where we've seen changes all throughout history with with all the other vernacular languages. We're talking with uh, Jordan and uh, I'm going to say Rudy from now on, since Emily already let the cat out of the bag. Uh, Jordan and Rudy from the Glad Trad podcast about traditions in the church. And, you know, uh, in my own experience, I've been, ha- I've had the privilege of going to mass in, in the Vatican. And so I've heard mass in Italian. I've heard mass in Spanish. I've heard mass in Portuguese. I've heard mass in several languages. And, you know, and I generally know where I'm at, even though I don't understand any of those languages. I generally knew where I was and could follow along. And and felt the solidarity of the Holy Mass and being in communion with the community in the process. I felt that. It's true. But the one thing I, I noticed when I started to go to a Mass set in Latin was we are all on the same page. We are all, every human being, and no matter where they come from, we're all on the same exact uh, page here, and it's the language. Uh, uh, the, I, w- I don't want to say the official language because I don't actually think it is the official language, but it is. Oh, yeah, fair, yeah. By, by default, I think it is the, the official language of the church. Encyclicals are produced in Latin, for instance. Uh, the Latin Vulgate is the text that bases all of the translations. Uh, so uh, it, it is the the glue that binds in some way, and I've always found that super fascinating. But the, here's another thought: just the other day. I mean, literally two days, three days ago, Father Mark Goring of the Companions of the Cross put out a video on his YouTube channel. Now, he is a charismatic priest. I've known this man for a few years. Uh, he is a great priest. He's got a great heart, love for Christ, love for Our Lady, love for the church, love for the sacraments. I mean, he exudes it every time you talk to him. Uh, you should check him out on YouTube. And even he talked about this issue of why young people are so drawn to the tradition. And one of the points he makes in his little video was... 
because the young people are sick and tired of the scandals. They're sick and tired of what they feel is manipulation. They, they're sick and tired of, of go along to get along. They're sick and tired of not calling a spade a spade. And then they just see within the tradition uh, an antidote to that. And uh, which, again, made me think of the question, well, okay, it's one thing to be drawn to that. It's quite another to really understand it. And I feel like within the traditional community, have, being a new member myself and my family, I wish there was like a traditional RCIA class you could go to. Like, what are the Ember Days again? One more time. And like, mm-hmm. and I, when I first got my Latin missile, I felt like I needed a degree in, in, in engineering to <laughs> yeah. figure out how to use that thing. I remember you coming like, into yeah. the, he came into the office and was, was like, I don't know how to use it. It was thing. like reading the <laughs> farmer's almanac. Like, what did, <laughs> what's the barometric pressure outside? I got to oh, figure out the, the, or the regular parts of the mass. I mean, it's like it was just so frustrating. And I feel like that's one of the concerns of people moving into the traditional. There's not like a, there's not like a, an introduction class, uh, to go. What do you, do, is this part of what you do on your podcast is to help people better understand this? Yeah, I would, I would definitely say that that's, that's part of helping a little bit. Uh, our podcast, besides just, when we talk about like, especially the culture of traditional Catholicism, yeah, we, we do, we do talk about missiles that we like to use. We do talk about, um, what the traditional rosary looks like. Rudy made an excellent video on that. And so I, I do think that there is a great need for, especially for a lot of Catholics coming in because the Latin Mass is our, is our birthright. Uh, it, you know, it's our home. And I think that a Catholic coming in, nonetheless, may feel lost with it. And they might need a little bit of of coaching through. Um, so just two little points on it. First, yes, I do think that uh, our podcast tries to, to help ease people into understanding uh, the Latin Mass, as well as understanding um, the, the different sorts of parts of tradition. And on the same time, there are plenty of other YouTube channels now that are rising up that will do an in-depth dive on how to use a missile, an in-depth dive on the Latin Mass step by step. But then the second part is, uh, is I think that for someone who is interested in going to Latin Mass and may feel overwhelmed, is again to really conform your prayers to that of the priests on the altar who's acting in persona Christi, right? It's really saying, God, I don't understand everything that's going on. And this is actually a great profound spiritual growth moment because I'm not in control here, obviously. And I might not understand, but I understand that what's happening is holy. And therefore, because it's sacred, I'm going to 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 pray that, that my prayers may be united in the holy sacrifice of the altar. And so I think that that's, that's also just a really great thing that it's going to help a lot of people who are new to tradition or maybe struggling to flip through the missiles every single time, which can be a little annoying and confusing. I mean, just full disclosure, I don't always flip through the missile, you know, like I'll look, I'll look for the, for the proper's the different parts of the ordinary, but well, I've gotten I'm like, used to it and I actually love it. it now, but it was a learning curve. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I do really love it. I feel like I'm more connected to the mass than ever before because of that missile, but it was yeah. a curve. I, I had to get over that. Emily? Yeah, I know this is one of the major things that is stopping people from coming to the Latin Mass is they don't understand it. The other thing, which I've heard from lots of people, is that there's there's this stereotype of the rad trad who is mean and judgmental and yes. prideful. Would you say that this is in any way accurate, and how do we remedy it? Well, I do think, uh, like with any community, there are some more uh, radical people and some people who are more... Uh, down to earth and approachable. Uh, there are some rad trads, but I would say that's that's very rare to run into. And going back to your last question about the missile and and everything like that, um, my advice for a new person would be to just just go and experience it the first time and not worry about it. You know, just kind of go and see what the Latin Mass is about. 
And like with anything, um, the, you know, the, the missile or uh, practicing music or something like that, um, it just, it just comes with time. That experience comes with time. I, as Jordan was saying, you know, sometimes we don't even open the missile and, uh, you know, uh, you don't, you don't have to worry about being at the right spot at the right time. You just unite yourself to, to the mass. Uh, but yeah, there is a stereotype and, um, that's part of the reason why we created this podcast, uh, and named it the Gladrat podcast because we wanted to show a different side of tradition, uh, that wasn't just a, a trope that most people had encountered or, uh, have told stories about. Um, we like to show things in a positive light. And I think you'll find in many traditional communities that a lot of people like the majority of people there are, are really welcoming and happy that you're, you're coming into the Latin mass. We're talking with Jordan and R- Rudy from the GladTrad podcast. Again, we've linked to their podcast over at facebook.com forward slash GRN, GRN online. You can also find us at facebook.com forward slash Catholic drive time as well. Uh, just about two minutes left in our time with, uh, with Jordan and Rudy. And I got to say, that is also one of the c- learning curves too was, you know, part of the stigma of the tradition, traditional community. It has been, you know, the, the more, uh, scrupulous nature of of that and i have to say especially in the confessional i feel like the 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 access to confession on a more frequent basis uh has been just a game changer for me and for my family two minutes left what do you any insight there from your own perspectives on your journeys isn't it nice especially so uh isn't it nice that uh confessions usually happen a half an hour beyond half an hour before mass and that's on the reg a lot of times with traditional communities uh in fact we have three priests at a lady mount carmel here in littleton and what happens is one priest will say the mass two priests will be in the confessional one of the mm-hmm. priests from the confessional will get up for the homily and then they'll go back around and it's just like it's funny you would think that you know one of the kind of the great uh ironies is that for people that are supposed to be rad and more scrupulous and everything which you do find their outliers uh, there's a lot more people who are going to confession those lines are always out the door even just on a low mass and so i do think that that yeah that regular approach to confession that regular approach to the mass everything is really really helpful obviously in, in the great spiritual growth and love that we can have for christ all right, we're just about out of time now with uh, Jordan and Rudolfo, uh, Jordan Pacheco and Rudolfo Carlos from the Glad Trad Podcast. Thank you both for being on our show today. We're very grateful to Thanks you. Thanks for and having us. Good Thanks luck for on your us, podcast. Guys. God bless you. God, God bless you. you. God love you. And uh, that's going to do it for Catholic Drive Time today. Don't forget, uh, Guadalupe Radio Network's trying to give somebody a Mercedes. You can find all the details at grnonline.com. But maybe pick up a ticket. It's a great way to support the media postulate here at the GRN and possibly win a very cool car again grnonline.com i want to thank emily i want to thank adrian i want to thank our guest uh, Stephen harry in the first hour jordan and rudy in the second hour and all of you dear listeners for being a part of our program and robert uh thanks for being a contestant today anybody wants to win tomorrow well tomorrow's your last chance to get in on that tune in this time tomorrow for your opportunity for all of us here at catholic drive time god love you and god bless you joining us on your catholic drive time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired join us monday through friday at the same time right here on your favorite catholic radio station don't forget to connect with us just go to facebook.com forward slash catholic drive time again that's facebook.com forward slash catholic drive time be sure to share more than just us today share jesus with 
everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you.